Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. It's our last episode of the year, and we're leaving you with a real treat. Best-selling author Aaron Blaby. Aaron is the author of many books for young readers, including The Bad Guys, an illustrated series for 7- to 10-year-olds that is absolutely hilarious. Book 8 in The Bad Guys series is out this month. Earlier this year, it was announced that a movie adaptation of the books is in development at DreamWorks Animation. Aaron is also the author and illustrator of a number of picture books, including the Pig the Pug series, Thelma the Unicorn, and his latest, I Need a Hug, which is out this month. Aaron, who lives in Australia, came to the U.S. earlier this year for a book tour. We had the pleasure of talking with him while he was in the Scholastic offices in New York City, and I'm delighted to share that conversation with you today. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the program and welcome to the United States. Thank you very much. We're delighted to have you here. It's uh, it's great. I'm having a. It's been huge. I've been all over the country, um, and it's. It's been a, just, it's wonderful to see the reaction to the books here. It's blown my mind. What are the kids like? How are the kids here different than they are in Australia? Well, interestingly, they're not different at all. That's what surprised me the most. The reaction here, it's thrilling. The reaction here is identical to everything I've experienced in Australia. I've been to over 200 schools in Australia reading my books aloud over the last few years. And you just never know whether you'll you know, cut across culturally. You just don't know whether people will connect to it the same way and kids are just reacting exactly the same in exactly the same places. So it's it's great. It couldn't be cooler. Kids are kids. I love that. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) So you had an award-winning career in Australia as an actor. Then you went into painting, if Mm. I'm not mistaken. What led you finally into writing children's books? I was effectively, uh, all the things you listed, I was effectively lost, really, for about 20 years. I left school, became an actor. It didn't really fit me. It didn't really suit my personality type. I worked in advertising. I wrote ads, um, and I didn't really like that. I painted, but what I missed from painting was narrative. Um, And then finally all those pieces clicked together when I wrote my first children's book, and it all made sense. All those things I'd tried to do suddenly click together like pieces of Lego and I went, ah, that's that's what I want to do. And then it took another 10 years for it to kind of start to work. But, and you know, I, I, I've known since my early 30s what I wanted to do. Sounds like you've aced this one too, which is great. <laughs> Can you tell us about the genesis of The Bad Guys? Uh, the, the Bad Guys came about because I have two sons uh, and my youngest, who's nine now, but when he was about six or seven, was bringing home early readers from school that were so uninteresting and boring that they would make him cry. And some of them, like they, some of the books were like they'd been designed in a laboratory to discourage children from ever picking up a book. So I thought I've, I've got to write something that he would like. So I, I, at the time, he was really into scary animals and cars. So 
I took that and mashed it up with another idea that I'd had for something heavier about characters who were being put upon and um, prejudiced. People were prejudiced against them because of, simply because of the way they look. And those two things, that was going to be a heavier story, but I clicked it together with this and the bad guys just appeared. And the first episode I wrote in an afternoon, they just came out. What do you think is endlessly fascinating to children about animals, especially animals that talk? From my perspective and what it seems to me is that as an author, I can talk about anything really and animals make it universal. It's not specific to any country or any culture. The minute I made these characters and all my early books were humans and I switched animals and everything came together instantly. And I think it's that. I think people, no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, no matter how you've grown up or where you live, when in a children's book, when the characters are animals, it just, it's talking directly to you. And I think that's why it works. DreamWorks Animation is doing a film adaptation of The Bad Guys. Yes. Can you tell us about it? I'm not allowed to say anything or I get um, uh, taken to jail by the DreamWorks police. All I can tell you, it is in development at DreamWorks and they are so excited about it as a project. And um, Etan Cohen, who has written some of my favourite comedies, Men in Black 3, and his new film starring Will Ferrell. Holmes and Watson is out this year. He's writing the screenplay and I've, I've read his treatment, which was brilliant. And he's, um, he's, he's nearly finished the first draft of the screenplay, I think. It couldn't be more exciting. It's a dream come true. We'd love for you to read an excerpt from The Bad Guys. Okay. I will read, and I'll have to do a little bit of um, descriptive uh, because it's not the book. Effectively, for those of you who don't know The Bad Guys, it reads like a comic or a graphic novel. So I will have to describe occasionally what's happening. But The Bad Guys, Mr. Wolf, Mr. Shark, Mr. Snake and Mr. Piranha, who are terrifying to look at, are standing beneath a tree where there is a small cat that needs to be rescued. And Mr. Wolf addresses the group. So, what are we going to do? Rescue the cat. What are we not going to do? Eat the cat. That's right. Not about you, but I feel pumped. Let's do this thing. Okay. Meow. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Ah! Hey, take it easy, kid. This is a rescue. Man, he's really freaking out. What's his problem? Let me try. This is Mr. Shark. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Ah! What was that? Are you trying to give him a heart attack? What? I was being totally cool. Mr. Piranha, let me handle this. Hey, you, get down here. I shimmy up that tree. I bite you on your furry little butt. Ah! What's the matter with you? Well, somebody better do something. That screaming is getting on my nerves. So I'm very jealous of your sons. The read-alouds must be epic in your house. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly, I don't do them because it feels weird reading your own books to your children. So if when, when a new Bad Guys book comes out, my wife, she's very good at doing voices, she reads the, the books with the boys, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what books do they like to read besides yours? Well, I have a very precocious nine-year-old who has just finished The Fellowship of the Ring and is halfway through The Two Towers. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a serious, serious heavyweight reader. And his big brother, who's 12, is reading the Dark Materials trilogy at the moment. He's loving those. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Yeah, they, they, love, <laughs> they love their books. Okay, well, I just finished Pig the Star. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really proud. <laughs> I want to know what's next for you and the bad guys. 
I have written and designed all the way to episode 10, which is the first series in completion. And uh, I'm most excited in many ways about episode eight because in episode three, you met the female lead, which is Agent Fox. But in episode eight, you meet her full all-girl team, whom I love. They're the sort of the characters I'm in many ways most excited about, and they join forces with the guys. And by episodes eight, nine, and ten, they form this kind of force that in the second series as a united team. So the bad guys is a much bigger, broader collective by the second series. And it's it, I've known this for a long time, and I know the story arc, um, but I'm the only person who knows it. I'm looking forward to that very much. What were you like as a little kid? I grew up in little country towns, little regional towns, and we moved a lot. And I didn't have siblings, so I spent a lot of time alone. Um, And I I think it's why I do what I do. I lived in my imagination a lot because I had to. And as a kid, it never occurred to me there was anything unusual about that. It was just the way, you know, the way kids do. You just accept wherever you're at. And it wasn't, there was nothing bad about it. There was nothing negative. I was, without me knowing it, being highly finely tuned into the kind of personality type that suits this job because I spent a lot of time alone thinking this stuff up, you know, and it just, I feel like I've been rehearsing for that my whole life. This was in Australia, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah, regional Australia. And were your teachers supportive of your creative work? I don't recall any of my teachers from elementary school or middle school because I was just, we moved a lot. But once I got to high school, I had an English teacher who changed my life, really. He was the first person to notice sparks, I guess, in my written work and encouraged me to be encouraged. I've just dedicated a new book to him, actually, and it's I've just said for encouraging my nonsense, which is precisely what he did. He allowed me to do things in written assignments that perhaps he ordinarily wouldn't have, but he just saw something that he thought was worth pushing along a little bit. Your books deal a lot with self-image, with how the world sees one, Mm. friendship. Also in The Bad Guys, there's a great deal about teamwork Mm. and the importance of teamwork. That's particularly interesting. You were an only child, Mm. I find out. You do have two sons. I wonder if you notice what it's like to have them get along and work together or why you place an emphasis on teamwork. Um, Yeah, look, I think you're probably right. I haven't given this a lot of conscious thought, to be perfectly honest, but I think it probably does stem from the fact that because I was in isolation a lot when I was younger, and yes, I do have two kids, and yes, I was nervous about having a second kid because I didn't know, I, I was outnumbered and I didn't know how that dynamic would work. And interestingly, I never played sport when I was a kid because I, it was, I was never interested and it wasn't a thing that I was sort of felt part of. But my boys are sport mad and love it. Um, And I've discovered a love of it through them. Um, In terms of how it relates to the bad guys, I think all my books on some level are ultimately actually about friendship. I think that's sort of what they're about. And I think the bad guys in particular is Mr. Wolf trying to prove to the world that he's not as bad as they think, but he's also trying to prove to his friend Mr. Snake that Mr. Snake isn't as bad as he thinks he is. Mr. Snake has spent his whole life being told he's dirt, so he's gone, all right, well, if you think I'm that, I'm going to be that. And Mr. Wolf is trying to convince him that it doesn't have to be that way. And I think as a result of that, he's got this team together to try and, you know, 
and 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 inside of all of that is uh, an undercurrent of friendship which forms which it, and they're very unlikely buddies but again it's that class it's it's, it's uh, a lot of my books are uh, this is coming to me as I'm saying it out loud there's an element of the odd couple to all of my books I think Trevor and Pig Snake and Wall you know and it's, it's just a really interesting dynamic because there's tension in it which makes it funny whenever there's tension that's it, there, there's always room for comedy it works beautifully. All right. Now I have a question about just the process. You're, if you could walk us through, yes. do you start with the ideas, with the illustration? How does it work for you when you're laying out a story? Uh, well, with the bad guys, because it's I plotted a very long arc. So each episode is quite a quick read. They're a self-contained story, but they're all chapters in a much longer story. The first series is 10 episodes long. So I had a loose sense of where the series was heading and then I had, as time has gone by, I've had a tighter sense of it and I pick the key event that I want to occur in each episode and then I sit down, I write like a screenplay, really, because I know what the characters look like now. And then once I've done that, I do a scribble rough version of the art. I put the two together and then I tweak the text until it tells the story in the cleanest, simplest, funniest possible way. And I work with my editor until we refine that, and then I do the finished art. What does your workspace look like? Um, I'm currently in a state of panic because we've just sold our house. We're moving, and all of this, Pig, Thelma, the bad guys, has all happened in this tiny, sort of comically small room that I've created all this work in, and I'm leaving it. And I'm superstitious, I guess. I'm afraid to leave it. I don't have to because it's too small. It doesn't work anymore. But it is a tiny little room isolated from the rest of the house. It's down at the back of the property. And it is filled with about 3,000 vinyl albums and a turntable and a desk and an easel and my art materials. And I sit in there, I draw the blinds and I disappear into my own brain. Oh, well, that's a great place to be. Now, you mentioned Thelma the Unicorn earlier. That's another adorable story that I absolutely loved. For our listeners who may not be familiar, it's the story of a horse named Thelma who dreams of being a unicorn, and then one day, her dreams come true. Could you tell us a little bit about Thelma and her friend Otis? The book is about becoming famous for kind of the wrong reasons. Interestingly, I've written a sequel, um, which I I thought the the book felt very complete, but then I, I realized I wanted to come back and have her try again, but this time with her friend as a unit. And they and it becomes, because in the second book will be about the world has simply missed her. She disappears at the end of the first book and the world wants unicorns. It needs unicorns. It needs that light. And there's vigils and people want her back. So her friend Otis joins together with her and as a team they go out to spreading magical unicorn cheer and he protects her from people who are being mean and she learns to develop a thicker skin and it, it, it becomes something kind of bigger. And I, I, I love Thelma a lot. After that last performance, we'd love for you to read aloud from this book. Thelma felt a little sad. In fact, she felt forlorn. You see, she wished with all her heart to be a unicorn. Her best friend's name was Otis. He liked her quite a lot. He said, you're perfect as you are, but Thelma said, I'm not. And that was when she saw it. A carrot on the ground. It gave her such a great idea, she squealed and jumped around. She took that simple carrot and she tied it to her nose. I'll say that I'm a unicorn. It might just work. Who knows? 
Well, as she did, a truck drove by. The driver rubbed his eyes. Good grief, is that a unicorn? He shrieked with great surprise. As Thelma watched the swerving truck, it very nearly hit her. Would you believe that truck was filled with nice pink paint and glitter? <gasps> Thelma looked amazing. She was a unicorn. I'm special now, she cried out loud, and so a star was born. Well, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you for having a chat. Thanks so much to Aaron for joining me. And thank you for listening today and all year long. All of us at Scholastic Reads wish you a very happy holiday season. We'll talk to you in the new year. Special thanks to producer Emily Morrow, associate producer Mackenzie Catrizula, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time. <laughs>